0: Author and pundit Vivek Ramaswamy. Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry. Illusionist Rick Thomas. And music from a Grammy Award winning Rory Feet. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your out Keith Bilbrey and...
1: Welcome everybody, we're so happy to have you. We've got a great studio audience here in our theater and uh, we're just excited about the show. I think it's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Now let's get started with something a little more serious. With Americans stranded in Afghanistan, and yes, stranded, that's what they are. The credibility of the United States is shredded by our inept exit there. And now we've suffered the worst loss of American military personnel in 11 years and the first casualty in Afghanistan since February of 2020. It's so bungled that the British parliament did something that it has never in its history ever done. It voted to censure the president of the United States. Think about that. Joe Biden has continued to pretend that world leaders are standing with him, but not one world leader has said a public positive word. In fact, it's been the opposite. The Germans have said that Biden has virtually destroyed NATO. The French, yes, the French have lectured us about moral responsibility to the people being held hostage there by the Taliban terrorists. Heck, even the Belgians have condemned the way this mess has been handled. And how has President Biden responded? Well, stepping to a microphone, screaming into the teleprompter words that someone else wrote and that he has trouble reading boasting about Democrats going on a wild shopping spree with your tax dollars, spending $3.5 trillion on giveaways to try to buy some more voters. It's pretty clear Joe Biden wants to talk about his domestic agenda. That way we won't pay attention to the collapse in Afghanistan. Now, we're not about to forget about those Americans stranded in Kabul, but I'll oblige him and I'll talk about his equally disastrous domestic plan. He insists that we keep paying people to not work and indefinitely extending the unemployment benefits to people who refuse to take one of the jobs being offered by desperate employers who are really having a tough time, having to close restaurants, lumber mills and construction sites. I mean, as long as Uncle Joe will pay people more money to get up at the crack of noon and watch Netflix, then they get to work, hey, people will take the government handout. I mean, I think instead of giving non-workers an extra $300 to sit on their ample backsides and stay away from work, I got a better idea. We ought to give that $300 as a bonus to the people who actually showed up to work. <laughs> We tax the wages of the workers, but not the welfare of the lazy. And I want to be very clear. I do not begrudge people who cannot work, but I got no sympathy for those who simply won't work and are willing to let others lift their loads while the only thing they lift is their federally subsidized forks. I say, take the taxes off those who are sweating through hot summer days on the job. And if a person is capable of working, and they just won't take a job? Cut the benefits to zero. And and Biden's energy plan has resulted in your gas just to get to work costing one to $2 a gallon more than it did just a year ago. He killed an American pipeline and the thousands of jobs that died with it. Then he turned around and approved the Russians pipeline, which gave them great riches, at our expense. He's turned our Southern border into a free flowing fire hose of human beings rushing into America without us having a clue who they are, whether or not they're drug runners, human traffickers, or criminals, and not seeming to care whether they have been vaccinated or wear a mask or socially distance. While Democrats are shutting down churches for fear of COVID, they turn a blind eye to illegal immigration. So here's an idea. Tell your pastor that if you've got an idiot for a governor or mayor who's forcing your church to close, encourage your pastor to announce that your church will now identify as the Southern border and tell the masses just to come on in. That'll work. There are days I'm not sure we're gonna hold out until the 2022 elections, but if we miraculously do, Please think about who you vote for in the next election. Because if you keep sending socialists and sociopaths to serve in Congress, as well as your local school board, then you're gonna deserve the mess. But frankly, I'll never vote for people who hate this great country, because I believe we all deserve better. Vivek Ramaswamy is a graduate of both Harvard and Yale. He's the founder and former CEO of a multi-billion dollar biotech company. But now he's sounding the alarm on corporate America. He says, woke politics are being exploited for profit. He's got a brand new book. It is a blockbusting bestseller. In fact, opened up at number two on the New York Times bestseller list in its first week on the market. It's a phenomenal book. It's called Woke Inc., Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. Please welcome to the show an amazing person, Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm -hmm. Vivek, this is uh, an incredible book, and you've had the guts to write about the fact that corporate America has basically sold out but they're hypocrites about this. They say they're you know, all into uh, social justice and stopping racism, but most of those corporate boards are all a bunch of white people. Well, I think it's even worse than that, Mike. Corporate America has just
2: turned its back on America. They pretend like they care about something other than profit and power, precisely to gain more of each. And it's not just the hypocrisy, though, that bothers me. It is the fact that that is now wreaking havoc on American democracy because it says that a small group of investors and CEOs get to determine what our views on racial equity ought to be or what our views on climate change ought to be when in fact, those are the questions that we're supposed to settle in our democracy where everyone's voice counts equally. And so I think corporate America wants to put us into demographic boxes, but we don't have to stay there. And that's what this book's all about.
1: One of the things that amazes me I mean, you're a very successful CEO. You've started up uh, companies that have been wildly successful. You've got Harvard and Yale degrees. Honestly, you don't need to take on the whole corporate world by writing a book like this because you're ticking off a lot of people. Why'd you do it? I'm ticking off a lot of people. That's (laughs) that's true. Look,
2: I I had the privilege of building a multi-billion dollar biotech company. My parents came to this country with almost no money. I have lived the full arc of the American dream. Mm. And I think there's now a new secular religion. that that really threatens to kill that dream. That is woke culture. It says that who you are or what you can achieve is actually determined on the day you're born by your race, your gender, and your sexual orientation, full stop. It says that if you're black, you're inherently disadvantaged, that if you're white, you're inherently privileged. And to me, that is the caste system. That used to exist in India. That's not what's supposed to exist here in the United States. And so I felt like if I had had the privilege of living the full arc of that dream... Then, if there was, a, there was a new virus that was gonna threaten to kill that dream, somebody had to really step up from the inside. Not as a journalist writing from the outside, but from the inside who's lived in elite America. I wasn't born into elite America, but I've lived in it for the last 15 years. And I really needed to sound the alarm because I think once the American people see what's going on with clear eyes, that's the first step to a solution.
1: I got to tell you, Vivek, one of the things that I love the most about the book is that it's written so that anybody can understand it. This is not a book that's written for the academics, no. uh, you know, in the halls of Harvard or Yale. It's written for just ordinary people who want to know what the heck is happening with companies. Here's an example. Not long ago, a few weeks ago, American Express came out. They started doing these seminars and saying that it was horrible to have a profit uh, uh, mindset and to, to make so much money and I'm thinking well maybe they could just refund all the money I've paid them for my <laughs> platinum card I mean how how crazy they said capitalism basically was a curse well you know what you know it's even it's, the word they exactly use is really
2: telling they said capitalism is racist and you and I both know there is no greater damnation in modern America than to be called a racist yeah the way I look at it is these companies are blowing woke smoke to prevent you from seeing what their actual (laughs) business practices... It's true. It's it's what they're doing. And the first commandment of woke capitalism is this. The more ruthless your business is, the more woke you have to act. Mm. So American Express over the last year, this is a little-known fact, has been under investigation by the DOJ for defrauding small businesses across this country through rampant lying, allegedly sending cards to businesses that never requested one, charging fees for it. Well, guess what? If you've been... Uh, If you've been accused of rampant fraud across the country, defrauding small businesses, the best way is to actually now apologize for that, not by owning your own sins, but by claiming that capitalism is racist. And so that is actually the strategy that these companies play. It's like a verbal game of jujitsu. They've learned that they can make money by critiquing themselves. And I'm sorry to say that it's working. It's a grand bargain with the new Democratic Party to say that if we say the right things, the woke catechism that you want us to recite then you stay away and you don't really hold us accountable. And that's how they put Occupy Wall Street. We don't even remember what that was. That's how they put it up for adoption, by adopting these woke values instead.
1: This is really crazy, though. When I think about what happened a few months ago in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and Woka Cola, as I like to <laughs> yeah. call them, uh, decided that they weren't going to have anything to do with the all-star game. And, and that totally. somehow that the Georgia voting law was racist, even though it was more generous in voting access sure. than Delaware, where Joe Biden is from, and... Colorado, where they moved the game, which is a very white state, unlike Georgia. Here's what I don't understand. Corporate boards are going along with this stuff. They are. Now, these aren't stupid people. These are highly educated, very successful people in order to be on the board of a Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, or, uh, or American Express. Why are they doing it? So that you're right. They're
2: not dumb. This is an arranged marriage, but it is not an arranged marriage of love. It is more like mutual prostitution. And the way it Hmm. works is that effectively... (laughs) That's a great idea. It's it's really true. And if I'm I'm to go on, I think the illegitimate child of that act is the woke industrial complex, which is a new monster that's far more threatening than either big business or big government alone because it can do what neither one can do on its own. I'll give you an example. Okay. So Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. They say that we're just private companies removing what does and doesn't show up on our website. You know what I say? If you're actually behaving as a private company, I'm okay with that. But guess what? These guys aren't behaving as private companies. They're working hand in glove with government, with big liberal government, to be able to say that we're going to take down hate speech or misinformation as the party in power defines it. Mm. And the party in power can't do it because we have this thing called the Constitution that prevents the government from engaging in censorship. So they delegate their dirty work to Silicon Valley. But these guys don't do it for free. You see, their new ask is a quiet ask to the new Democratic Party to say that you better look the other way when it comes to leaving our monopoly power intact. And I'm sorry to say, it is working masterfully for both sides. Same thing with Wall Street after 2008. You don't love Occupy Wall Street. Well, a bunch of big banks get in bed with a bunch of woke millennials. Together, they birth woke capitalism, and then they put Occupy Wall Street up for adoption. And so Coca-Cola, these companies are really just copycats. They're just getting Mm -hmm. in on the act where... You'd rather talk about voting laws in Georgia or teach your employees how to be less white, something that coca cola did this year as well. But that's a lot easier to do than to contend with your own products' impact on the nationwide epidemic of diabetes, including in the black community that they profess to care so much about. Wow. So that's how this game
1: is played. Wow. Nobody I've ever heard explained it so just succinctly and brilliantly as you just did. That makes more sense. And it also explains why banks would go around saying they don't believe in capitalism. The very banks that have redlined African-American uh, homeowners not being able to get loans to move into neighborhoods where all the white people live. It's really a joke. So Goldman Sachs, don't talk about banks. Goldman Sachs, by the way, I did a summer internship
2: there back in 2006. I tell some of those stories in the book. Last year, declares from the mountaintops of Davos. That's where a lot of these things tend to take place. Is that's a real
1: middle class? Oh yeah, they love it. They they
2: fly their their (laughs) private jet to muse about the racially disparate (laughs) impact of climate change. That's what these guys do. But Goldman Sachs declares from the mountaintops of Davos that they will not take a company public in the United States unless its board is sufficiently diverse. And they don't mean politically diverse or ideologically diverse. They mean diverse in the way that it actually looks. Uh Now, here's the trick. Who was the presidential front-runner last January when they made these declarations? Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And you see, if you're Goldman Sachs, your historical practice was make campaign contributions. Put your alumnus in the seat of U.S. Treasury Secretary. Pretty good trick. Yeah. That works even amongst Republicans, by the way, for, for decades. But now, that might not have worked with Bernie Sanders. That might not work with Elizabeth Warren. So what you do is you tithe in a new currency to the new temple. And I do think it's a religion. Yeah. You tithe to the new temple of identity politics, And that's how the new crony capitalist game works is you then do favors to the government to expect favors in return, especially with a newly ascendant woke left. That's how these guys are playing the system. And I'll tell you, there's some things I write about in this Mm. book that certainly made my blood boil. It'll probably make your blood boil, too, is after the 08 crisis, the Obama administration says they settle with big banks for tens of billions of dollars. Guess how much of that got paid to the public fisc? Less than half. Mm. You want to know Why? They wanted to fund a lot of woke left nonprofits like La Raza or the National Urban League. They couldn't do it through Congress. So they went to the DOJ and said, actually, guys in the big banks, let's get in the back room. If you give a dollar to those organizations that Congress wouldn't fund, we'll give you more than a one for one offset. You get $2 off on what you owe the public, you get a tax deduction. Your press release can say you gave to a nonprofit instead of to the DOJ. Everyone's happy, but the American people are the ones who lose. I was gonna And say, that's crony that capitalism at its worst. There,
1: all of us here tonight, we paid for that. We paid for that. With our tax dollars. Listen, your book is absolutely... Look, I've read it. I highly recommend it. It's the best explanation to, be, to help people understand what in the world has happened to this country and the companies that used to be trusted companies. I hope people get it. Obviously, people are loving it. It's started number two on the New York Times bestseller list. the they. Ramaswamy, I want to say thank you tonight for coming. And for our audience, you're going to want to pick up the book. It's called Woke Inc. Anywhere Books Are Sold. You can follow Vivek on Twitter. And I want you to know that Keith is not exactly woke, but he is awake. And he's going to tell you what we got coming up for the rest of the show tonight. Take it away, Keith. Oh, thank you so much.
0: Tonight, the Afghanistan crisis with Congressman Scott Berry. And later, Grammy award-winning singer Rory Feet. More Huckabee is on the way. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow @Mike Huckabee on Twitter.
1: Halfway around the world, an unknown number of Americans are trapped in Afghanistan as a deadline looms and it's just days away. That's to get everyone out, all the Americans and those Afghans who have put their lives on the line for us. This is after a disastrous pullout that has left the country in chaos and in the hands of the terror group that American forces fought against for the last 20 years. More than a dozen US service members are now dead and that number could rise. My next guest is a 38 year army veteran, a member of Congress serving Pennsylvania's 10th district. He says, this is a total disgrace and a disservice to all who have served. Please welcome to the show, Congressman and retired army Brigadier General, Scott Perry. Uh, Congressman, I'm not sure whether to call you. Congressman, or general today, because I want to talk to you in both roles, but I want to start with the general, title today. This has been the most disturbing week I can remember, and I can go back to president since Eisenhower. Um, I've never seen a president that looks so ill-prepared to make very critical decisions that are life and death. Assess it for us from your perspective from a long military career.
3: Well, here's what we know about Joe Biden, a couple things. First of all, he's been on the wrong side of every major foreign policy decision or national security uh, decision his whole entire career. And the one thing we can count on uh, from Joe Biden is that he never fails to fail. He has failed to listen. He has failed to learn. And now he is failing to lead. But he falls right in line with uh, the history of the Democrat Party under FDR, under under Give them Hell Harry, leaving thousands of American GIs to rot in, in Russian gulags after World War II. Now, these aren't GIs for the most part that we know of, but these are American citizens that are being abandoned behind enemy lines for the sake of a self-imposed, as you said it, a self-imposed uh, deadline, which not, is not relevant to anything. Uh, what, what ought to be relevant here, Governor, as you know, and as American citizens know, is that American citizens Ship means something, it matters. And we don't leave any of our people behind ever. We never, ever do this. This is a stain uh, that is gonna be hard, very, very difficult to wash away in anybody's memory. And of course, for service members, let's be clear, Governor, you know this. It's not the troops' fault. These, it's not the people that wear the boots that have caused this problem. This is all coming from the suits in Washington, D.C., the policymakers, and quite honestly, ever since Obama started destroying our military, the woke military leadership, I will tell you, there are many members of the military that I know that have left service because of this, and and you're going to see a mass exodus after this. And of course, one of the great concerns that I have is is we have lost uh, uh, 22 a day of our great service members to suicide. More members dying of suicide than died on the battlefield right now, Governor. And if you don't think that number is going to increase because of these decisions and watching uh, and these service members watching watching their own friends uh, die on the battlefield, watching everything they sacrificed for in their military career being washed away by an inept, incompetent, uh, uninformed, or just oblivious uh, leader at the as as the commander in chief, it is. It is heartbreaking, it's is, It is. It's actually almost indescribably bad.
1: The, the bloodshed that we have seen from our service members, 13 of our own uh, men killed this week in a bloody suicide bombing, uh, t- to me the horrific thing of that was we haven't had a casualty in Afghanistan for 18 months and now we have 13. Uh, the bloodiest day we've had in the US military in Afghanistan since 2011 when the Chinook went down Uh, This is just, uh, I think the proportion of it is staggering to many of us. The Taliban is clearly running the show. They're the ones who said, you've gotta be out by August the 31st. In light of that attack and in light of the bloodshed, in light of the fact we have Americans, and I'm gonna use the word that Jen Psaki uh, took umbrage by, they're stranded, they are stranded. What should the president do how should he change his, his approach to this?
3: Look, this is not uh, at this point about pride or, 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 or your, your personal ego. The president has to let the world know and certainly let, let the, ta- the, the terrorist organization of the Taliban and their affiliates know that we don't take orders from terrorists. And we'll leave. We plan to leave. We want to be out of Afghanistan. We we've spent enough time and treasure and blood in Afghanistan. But we'll leave on our terms. We won't be dictated to, and certainly not to seventh-century goat herders. Hmm. And and the president has completely, the commander in chief has completely uh, missed the opportunity to lead. He
1: said in his speech, you know, we will not forgive, we will not forget. But I don't think there's a single Taliban member who is shaking in his sandals over that, the least bit worried. Our allies across the globe universally have condemned the manner in which we've uh, handled this. And yet the president and his minions go out and say, oh, the world leaders and the allies, they think we're doing a uh, wonderful job out here. It's just not true. Are they lacking in self-awareness? Are they just looking in the camera and lying through their teeth? Because it can't be, It can't be both. Something's not going right here.
3: You're absolutely right, Governor. And I think what's hard for people to to get their arms, get their minds and their hearts wrapped around is the Democrat Party that you used to know is not, that's not who Joe Biden belongs to. These are globalists. And so if a few American casualties have to be sustained to do this, well, that's the way it is. You can tell by how glib uh, they are about the circumstances that we're in right now. They don't see it. This, American citizenship is not something important to them. They, we are citizens of the globe. America is no better than uh, than Afghanistan, is no better than Russia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you, you have to think about a different mindset here, and people just really haven't gotten their armed, their minds wrapped around that. The Democrat Party under Joe Biden, AOC, Nancy Pelosi, you know, Chuck Schumer, et al, is no longer the loyal opposition, loyal to the country, but opposed to maybe, you know, the way the Republican Party would do it. They're not loyal to the country. That's the problem. And so this is easy for them. They don't care if this doesn't if if we're humiliated. They're not humiliated. That that's the big point that people need to take in. There's no reason we should elect people to lead the United States of America who don't love the United States of America.
1: Well, I think most of us do and we appreciate what you are doing. Uh, Lord knows we need you in Congress. We hope you uh, will stay for a long time, but your perspective from having served 38 years in our nation's uh, military, so significant right now. And I hope the people of the 10th District of Pennsylvania have the good sense to keep you there because the rest of this country needs you. Congressman Scott Perry, thank you for your time tonight. And if you'd like to keep up with the congressman, you can follow him on Twitter, or you can visit perry.house.gov. Keith Bilbrey is following the show very closely, and he's going to share what he's learned about what's coming up. Well, next, laugh with Mike's
0: in case you missed it. News stories, then the illusions of Rick Thomas. Stay with Huckabee.
1: To the show, I think we're gonna to have to call the fire department over here from Hendersonville because these guys are on fire today. You know what the name of that song is? Sweet Home Chicago. Oh, yeah. I thought it
0: was Trey Corley thinks he's Jerry Lee Lewis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be that too. Oh, he is all over there. How about that. a big hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection? You know what it's time for? Oh, I can't wait. I can't either. Cause from snakes on a spice rack to walruses on speedboats, we have the world's wildest news on In Case You Missed It. Well, I recently said that I hope to get to heaven someday just so I can ask God, well, for a lot of reasons, but here's one of them God, why'd you make snakes? Now, our writers must have heard me say that because they deliberately went looking for snake stories. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably looking for some new writers this week. (laughs) Look, I'm a little nervous about this, but let's get to it. First up, a woman in Singapore called an animal welfare group when she kept hearing an occasional hissing sound and she thought that a snake was hiding in her house the alleged animal experts told her that it was definitely the sound of a venomous black spitting cobra. Ooh. Mm, that'd scare me, I'd I move. I don't like that. So they very carefully searched until they found the source of the hissing. It was a malfunctioning Oral-B electric toothbrush. <laughs> <throat rod laughs> no. That was turning itself no! on and off.
4: That is awesome.
1: I didn't know they hissed. Wow. Huh? I'm not sure I'll ever be able to use an electric toothbrush. The association with a snake. Well, that story wasn't too bad. (laughs) However, in suburban Sydney, Australia, a woman was shopping for dinner ingredients at Woolworths when she suddenly came face to face with this. Look at this. No. That Uh is a 10 foot python sticking out of the spice shelf. Uh. I'd call that Uh. scary spice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the audience didn't know about the Spice Girls and all that. Anyway, you know, I mean, look, Woolworths is the store with everything. Maybe it was just looking for the electric toothbrush. I don't know. (laughs) Fortunately, this being Australia, the shopper happened to be a volunteer snake catcher. Of course she did. So she fetched her equipment. She said the python wasn't aggressive, and it slithered right into her bag. Yeah. I see,
0: my assumption is all snakes are poisonous. I agree. And all snakes are aggressive, so
1: get away from them. That's right. If you can't kill them, just put as much real estate between you and the snake exactly. as is possible. Exactly. Now, the good thing about this snake, because it was in the spice outlet, uh-huh. if she did take it home to cook it, it already had its spices already on. Wow. <laughs> all right, let's move on. <laughs> a much less scary creature appeared in the harbor of Belfast, Maine. It's a giant, inflated yellow rubber duck. Look how big oh, that thing is, says Joy. Yeah, I would call it a rubber ducky, but when it's 25 feet tall, that's a duck. <laughs> <laughs> it mysteriously appeared, anchored in shallow waters one morning. Nobody have any idea where it came from or why it was there. But you know what they say? If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, well, it must be Dr. Fauci. (laughs) (laughs) He's not that big. No, he's not that big. And as you can see, it has the word joy on its chest, and it certainly brought some desperately needed joy to local residents. In fact, Keith, they love this so much, they are floating the idea Mm -hmm. of keeping it. How about that? Yeah, tourist They might drive. even, you know, I mean, they think it might encourage kids to take a bath. They might.
3: Yeah, you hopefully
1: never. not in the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> but my advice to them, if they really want to keep it, just ban alcohol sales during duck hunting season. Uh-huh. That would be a good
0: idea. That, that would be it.
1: Yeah. All right. Finally, walruses are usually found in the Arctic North, but one of them must have floated south on an iceberg to take a vacation because... He's been popping up all around the coast of England, Wales, and Ireland. Nicknamed Wally, the 2,000-pound, 2,000-pound wow. walrus developed a bad reputation for sinking boats by trying to climb aboard and tipping the boats over. What a way to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they were out uh, yeah. boating and the walrus tipped yeah, How do you go home and tell your wife, uh, I lost my boat, baby, what happened? <laughs> walrus jumped Just up and right flipped that thing over. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's why I gave up canoeing. You never know when this guy's going to show up. You never know. Now, the good news is Wally finally figured out how to climb onto boats without sinking them. Here's the bad news. Mm -hmm. He then takes the boats over completely and he spreads out like on his back, somewhat like Michael Moore sunbathing, in a fur Speedo. Thanks. Oh, thanks for that image. <laughs> Thank the Lord my producers could not find an image of that. And I'm, I'm glad so they glad. Nothing oh, on the I'm so glad. Yeah, even worse, walruses, I don't know if you knew this, do you know they're protected by law? I didn't know that. They are. And uh, that way the walrus can actually steal your boat and the police can't do a thing, a thing. to stop him. Hmm. No handcuffs, no nothing. Nothing. No, I figure Wally must be a Democrat politician. He could just get away with that. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Uh, Well, before you start blubbering, let's end this bit. But until next time, let's remember that we read the news. Coming up, illusionist Rick Thomas
0: and country music's award-winning singer Rory Feek. Stay with Huckabee.
1: Welcome back. I've really been pumped about this next segment of our show because my next guest has been named Magician of the Year, Illusionist of the World. He's performed in over 50 countries. He's been in Las Vegas on many TV shows, even had his own ABC special. You can now see his amazing Mansion of Dreams show in Branson, Missouri, which I know you like to go to. I want you to welcome Branson's Entertainer of the Year. Please put your hands together for Rick Thomas. Rick Thomas, everybody. Hello, okay, I'm trying to figure, where did she go? Because I've been watching this, you know?
2: <laughs> she went this... shopping.
1: Wow. Well, let her have she whatever she wants shoes. after what she just went through. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank you. Now you're showing Branson, you're doing this stuff like all the time, right? Too often. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, had my own show actually in Las Vegas for almost 20 years. Yeah.
2: And we became the most successful show for families in the history of Las Vegas. And uh, I was asked to come out to Branson to the Andy Williams Theater Mm. seven
1: years ago. Yeah. Never planned on being here. (laughs) Never planned on performing here. And I never even planned on driving through the area. (laughs) (laughs) All the people who've been to Branson understand what the traffic is like, but it's worth it because it's such a cool place. Uh, middle America. I mean, it's just a fun place to go. Great family. My son-in-law once said about Branson, he said, it's like Las Vegas for Christians. <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> and that's why we're here. Is that right? <laughs> oh.
2: we, um, when we moved to Las Vegas to Branson after our first season, we didn't yeah. plan on actually really staying out here. And we fell in love with it. We truly did, and we called Branson home. Couldn't
1: ask for a better place to be. I can't wait to come up, because I want to come see you in Branson. I love Branson. And by the way, you can see more magic, get tickets for his award-winning Mansion of Dreams show in Branson at rickthomas.com. Now, I don't know how we're going to follow up that incredible performance, but somehow, Keith Bilbrey, he may have a trick or two up his sleeve. Let's see what Keith's got. Well, up next,
0: country music star, Roy Feet, right here on- Huckabee. Next week on Huckabee, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee and cooking star Brenda Gant.
1: And welcome back. The magic just keeps happening here on the show. Now, Rory Feek is a world-class storyteller. He uses music and film, television and books to share his work. As a songwriter, he's written numerous number one hits. As a recording artist, Rory and his wife made up the Grammy award-winning duo Joey and Rory. They sold over a million records before Joey's untimely death back in 2016. Today, her legacy lives on in much of Rory's work, as well as in their daughter, Indiana. Rory just released his first solo album. It's called Gentle Man. Please welcome back to the show, one of our favorites, Rory Feek. Indiana, I think I'm as excited to have you here as I am your dad. So happy that you came with him today. Are you his chaperone? Uh, yeah. I think that's a great idea because you know what? Having been around him a little bit, he needs one and you're it. I do. Roy, it's Thank great you. having you here. It's good
5: to be here and she got all dressed up and uh, she wanted to come and and see you. So I'm glad she's here too.
1: Me too. We just love having you and love having Indiana with you. This new album is, I mean, it's just brilliant. And uh, we're going to get to do one of the songs on it. It's called Gentleman. But these songs are so from the heart. And and, and I just, I think it's going to be a blockbuster. I truly do. Thank
5: you. I appreciate it. I'm excited about it. I've never made my own record before. I've made I've made some recordings with my wife through the years, but this is the first time to make my own uh, album. And it's been a fun process. We actually recorded it, uh, Ben Isaacs and Matt Johnson and I, just, I don't know, 50 feet from here, yep. not very far. So it's like coming home to where we recorded it.
1: For a while after Joey passed away, you kind of put music aside for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when did you feel like you could go back and, and just get back into music without, without her? Well, it
5: took a couple of years. We have a concert hall at our farm, and so that stayed empty for about two years. But when you're walking across your driveway and you see that big building empty, at, at some point it felt like, you know, God had it there for a purpose and he still has it. So I started by getting back on stage at our concert hall, and then it took a few years for me to record. It's It's been a process. I've enjoyed being part of a career, a music career with her so much. I, I didn't think I wanted or needed anything else, but now that I've had a chance to do this, I think she would really love it too.
1: I think she would be honored by the music that you're producing in this album. Uh, so many great tunes where there's a deep, wonderful message. You're known as a storyteller. In your books, on your blog, you got more, almost 3 million people who follow Rory Feek on your blog. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So what do you feel like if somebody said, Rory, what is it you do? Musician, writer, blogger, farmer. I mean, you got a lot of titles. How do you describe yourself? A storyteller.
5: Hmm. I would say I'm a storyteller. And um, maybe even more than that, I'm a story liver. Um, I've learned through the years. I came to Nashville to learn how to write or tell a good story through songs. And I think I got a chance to do that. And uh, after time went on, I, I kind of got to a point to where that really wasn't as fulfilling as I hoped. And I didn't want to write about a man or a person living an extraordinary story. Mm. I wanted to live one. So Joey and I started, uh, we changed directions and we started l- trying to live a great story, not just write one. And, and that's really what's happened. And I think my favorite part of my life is is getting to be part of a story, you know, not just telling them, but living them.
1: You did a documentary last year called This Life I Live. You wrote it, you shot it, you put it together. I mean, that's that's pretty big to take on all of those roles. Uh, what did people say when they saw the series and how did they react? I think people really loved
5: it. We don't have a television, so I never actually see much of what I make. But I think that they really liked it. I know you I. You go on
1: a television that. show and tell everybody you don't have TV. That, thank you a lot, Rory. That's great. Uh, y'all enjoy Rory. He'll never be back. I mean, this is it. But if I had one, I would watch this show. There you go. That's, that's the ticket right there. All right, we'll bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> So you're going to perform one of the songs tonight on the show called Gentleman. It is really the theme cut. Um, if you could describe this song, I know people will certainly get it and hear it, but I immediately fell in love with it because it just kind of took me back to the way most of us were raised. Right.
5: Well, the song is about a value system uh, that a father has that he's, he's passing on to his child, to his son. And... Um, I didn't actually grow up with that. My parents split very young. And uh, so it took me a long time to find my own way. And uh, I think now more than ever, you know, our young people, our children, they just need uh, some help and some guidance. And that's really what this song is about is some things seem like they're, they're out of date and out of style, but they still matter. And that's really what the song are. And
1: Manners Are Never Out of Style. It's a beautiful song that you're going to get to hear. And you can get your copy of Rory Feek's Gentleman anywhere music is sold and streamed. And for the latest on Rory's music, blogs, and stories, go to roryfeek.com. It's right there on your screen. Now, after the break, Rory Feek is going to be performing his song from his new album, Gentleman. And I'm even going to get to play with him. So don't you dare go away. (laughs)
0: Of the show, go to Huckabee.tv to see Rory Feek's digital exclusive performance of his song Time Machine. Now, here to sing Gentlemen with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on Bass is Rory Feek.
4: So I stepped back Tipped my hat And opened up the door Just being polite She thought it strange She smiled at me And said times have changed Guys don't do that kind of thing anymore Being a gentleman Might be out of style these days Might not be cool when being a fool is all the rage But it's in my blood, it's what I know How I was raised Man, this is who I am A faded jean, farmer tan, work boots, calloused tan, redneck, blue collar hard gentleman Long story short, of course, I had to ask her out Show her what my old-fashioned ways are all about Well, I still hear her laugh at me When I got down there on one knee It's funny cause the thing she loves most about me now Is being a gentleman. Might be out of style these days Might not be cool When being a fool is all the rage But it's in my blood It's what I know How I was raised Man, this is who I am A faded jean, farmer tan Work boots, calloused tan Redneck, blue collar Hard-working gentleman So I guess that's why I'm here Telling you this, son The time is gonna come When you meet someone And being a gentleman Might be out of style these days Might not be cool When being a fool is still all the rage But it's in your blood, it's what you know how you were raised so son if